How you going, church? Good to see your smiling faces. Turn to your neighbor, give them a high five. So it's good to be sitting next to you in church. Because it is. And if you're sitting by yourself, go sit next to someone. Don't sit by yourself. <laughs> awesome. Hey, uh, we're, we're starting a new series today. It's called Joseph. Living the dream. I love that phrase, living the dream. Sometimes we say it in jest, like, you know, we're, we're doing something and we're like, we really don't want to be doing this. Yeah, I'm just living the dream. Uh, but actually, there's something in us that genuinely wants to live the dream, right? I don't know many people that don't want to live the dream. And uh, sometimes the dream turns into a nightmare, uh, but, but there's something in us that we want to live the dream. And so... I've had this on my heart, actually, since last year, to do a series on the life of Joseph, because he's an amazing character. So for the month of March, uh, except for Pastor Tico coming next week, which will be awesome, make sure you get there, bring your friends along, we're going to be talking about the life of Joseph. Uh, and we're going to basically look at his life chronologically. So we'll start um, in Genesis 37, and we're just going to work our way through his life. That's what chronological means. Uh, so it's going to be good. And... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about what God's going to birth in us, the dreams He's going to reawaken in us. And because uh, we, all, we, all, we all want to live the dream. We all have ambitions and desires and things in us that we want to see come to pass. And uh, we want to kind of rise above the ordinary, everyday humdrum, just like Richie was sharing before. Like sometimes, you know, life we get in patterns, you could call them ruts, uh, where we're just going through it. But there's still a dream on the inside. There's still something that we want to live with purpose. We want to live with destiny. And uh, I, I love the story of Joseph because more than any other character in the Bible, he's a dreamer. He is like the dream man in the Bible. His story begins with dreams. Uh, he, he interprets dreams later on in prison. Then he interprets some more dreams in the palace of, of Pharaoh. Like his whole life is all about dreams. And uh, so, yeah, I think he's a, he's a good person to study when we're, we're talking about this idea. Um, and as, as we'll see as we go along, living the dream isn't always dreamy. Uh, sometimes it's, it's not so dreamy. Because um, Joseph, this is the amazing thing about Joseph, is he is a type of Christ. So he's a forerunner of Jesus. He's like a, uh, a shadowing or a prefiguring of, of Jesus. And there are so many parallels, so many things that, that Joseph um, mirrors that we see in Jesus' life. And so we're going to draw on some of that as well um, throughout the series. But I don't want it to be just like a theological comparison between Joseph and, and Jesus. I want us to really draw out of his life things for us. Because to live the dream as a Christian is essentially to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. To become more and more like him in the way we live and in the way we love. That is actually the dream, the bigger dream. Beyond what you know, ambitions we may have. God is forming something in us. He's making us to become more and more like Christ. So I encourage you, in the next month, read from Genesis 37 onwards. Read the story of Joseph, okay? Is that cool? So in your Bible reading plan, just, you know, 
sneak in a bit of, bit of Genesis. So we're going to start, we're just basically going to look at the chapter of uh, Genesis 37 today. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you can follow along. We'll put most of the scriptures up on the screen. So starting in verse 1, Genesis 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. It's a bit of an inauspicious start for, for Joseph. Like the first thing we hear about him, except for him being listed with his brothers, is that he's a tattletale, is that he rats on his brothers to his dad. Like, nice one, Joseph. Great. That's, that's good. Uh, there's a couple of things that we can learn about just about Joseph from this. First thing that he's, he's unscrupulously honest. He's like, he, he, and we, we actually, we see this throughout his life. He has a very high moral integrity. He doesn't know how to be two-faced or to, to lie. He, I mean, later on he kind of does, but he, he just can't actually hold it within him. And we'll, we'll get to that. But actually he's, he's just really uncompromising in his honesty which is awesome, but it gets him into trouble. Uh, a fair bit of trouble, as we'll see. So that's the first thing. He's unscrupulously honest. Uh, the second thing is that he's just a dumb teenager. <laughs> like he is. He's 17. Your brain's not fully formed, at least as a man, until you're 25. So he's still got eight years yet. I'm sorry, any of you males under 25. You're not fully formed in your thinking. And, and, which is fine. I love it that actually Joseph is just very human. He's actually just like a typical teenager. He speaks before he thinks. He blurts the stuff out, which might be true, but he should think it through. So we'll go on. So we know that Joseph is a typical teenager with a high level of integrity. Verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. So Israel is another name for Jacob. Uh, putting aside Jacob's suspect parenting skills, um, you, you should never have a favorite, just by the way. You should never buy that favorite special clothes um, and dress them up in it as the favorite. Like, that's not going to go down well with your siblings. He's just—he's been set up, poor Joseph. He's been set up to be hated by his by his siblings. But putting that aside, there's actually a massive implication for us from the favor that Joseph has. Sorry, Joseph has from his father. The favor that Jacob shows to his son. There's a, there's a huge implication for us. And it actually ties in to what Richie was sharing before. Because that story that he shared is just a story of the favor of God. It's not fair. It's not fair that somebody comes up. You're all sitting there going, what does somebody come up to me and offer me a job for $130 an hour? That'd be, that'd be nice. See, the favor of God... Is not fair, and and to steal a phrase from T.D. Jakes, favor ain't fair. You should go go look up T.D. Jakes. He's a big black American uh, preacher, and he preaches a great series called Favor Ain't Fair. But we see this on Joseph's life. 
but he's favored. And it isn't fair. It doesn't make sense. It's unmerited. He hasn't done anything special. He's actually only the favorite because he was born late in, in, in Jacob's age. And, and he was born to Rachel, who was his, his favorite. So, so it's really, it's got nothing to do with anything that Joseph's done. And we see this with Jesus. Actually, we see it. We go further back. We see it with so many of the Old Testament characters. You could look at um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, all three of those, they all, they all were favored by God. For what reason? It's, it's nothing that they've done. King David, Esther, Ruth, Gideon. You could even argue uh, Adam and Eve. They all have favor from God. Not because of anything they've done. It's not fair. See, Joseph is his father's favorite. And I want to tell you this morning that you are God's favorite. Now you might go, how can I be his favorite? Because favorite means that, you know, everybody else isn't. Well, in the economy of God, that can happen. Okay? Because God's not limited to our earthly thinking. So you can all be the favorites of God. And I think we need to actually put on the favor of God. Even as Joseph, he was given this cloak that signified his favoritism. We, we too, we need to put on the favor of God. Realize actually, you know what? God loves me. He actually, I'm his favorite. And we need to, we need to walk around and know that we are the favorites of God. I love, you know, I said Joseph prefigures Jesus. Jesus himself. At his baptism, the Spirit of God alights on him like a dove. And it says in Matthew 3.17, A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus was God's favorite. And he really was. Uh, <laughs> but, but if you think about it, this is right at the beginning of it. He hasn't done anything yet. He's been a carpenter for 30 years. And then he's gone and got baptized. That's no real ministry. <laughs> he hasn't done anything for God yet. And yet God says, no, no, I love him. He is my favorite. I'm pleased with him. God says the same over you. You don't have to have done anything. You don't have to have curried his favor or earned anything from God. He loves you and you're his favorite just as you are. Come on, I need some more amens because you need to get this deep in your heart because it, it shapes everything about your life. When you realize, actually, I'm God's favorite. I reckon we'd act, we'd act a bit different if we realized the favor that we have in God. We realize how much he really, genuinely loves us. I reckon, turn to your neighbor, tell him, I'm God's favorite. <laughs> no, 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 you need to convince them. Convince them. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what? You're both right. Don't get into an argument about it. You are both God's favorites. And I need, we, we need to get this. We need to get this. Because we'll see later on, I reckon, it shapes how we dream. So we read on. We read on in Genesis 37. In verse 4, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, surprise, surprise, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Oh, poor Joseph. Uh, and this is my, my second point, if you like. It's is just that haters are going to hate. <laughs> haters going to hate. <laughs> yeah, it's true. 
Haters going to hate. I, I actually uh, just recently had an experience of this. Uh, um, a few months ago, I got a message from someone um, telling me about how they, uh, this was years ago in Dunedin, how I had hurt them. And inadvertently, um, I'd made a call and, and uh, I hadn't realized the impact it had on them. And, uh, and it, they'd carried it for a long time. This is like 15 years ago. And uh, I was like, wow, okay, this is really an issue for you. So I, I replied saying, look, I'm sorry. I, this was never my intention. I, I'm sorry about that. And then, and then just, just this week, I got a, you know, so months later, I get another reply, and they've still been stewing on it. And they were like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And they just hadn't heard my apology at all. And I thought, wow, this is far more about you, the state of your hearts than it does about anything that I did 15 years ago. You see, often, you know, haters are going to hate. People are going to not like you, not so much because of anything you've done, but just because of the state of their heart, because of the fact that they can't handle that on the inside. See, yes, Joseph was favored by his father, but his brothers didn't have to act the way they did. They didn't. They weren't. They weren't uh, compelled to do that. See, and this is something about the favor of God, is that sometimes that will draw that response out of people. Sometimes people will look at you and they'll be envious. They'll be jealous. They'll, they'll criticize you. They'll even hate you. And can I say that you're in good company? Because <laughs> they hated Joseph and they definitely hated Jesus. Remember the Pharisees, the religious teachers, those who should have been loving and embracing Jesus because he was, he was opening things up for them. They hated him. And they hated him to the point they, they got him caught and beaten and whipped and killed. They hated him that much. And I think sometimes if we're, if we're to roll it back and look at the state of our own hearts, sometimes we think, man, it's not fair. It's not fair that that person has that gift or that ability, those looks, those smarts, I don't know, the, those opportunities, uh, that wealth, whatever it is, we can look. It's so easy. And we can, maybe hate is a strong word, but we can be envious. We can be jealous. Can I say that and you've probably learned this, and if you've got kids, you've probably taught your kids this. Life is not fair. <laughs> it's actually, there's a, there's a profound unfairness in the world around us. You just got to look at the, the, you know, where you are born dictates so much of the opportunities that you have. Uh, there is a profound unfairness, and, and I don't understand that. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you a biblical explanation. I'm not saying we are more favored because we're Kiwis. Like that's, that's not true. Because I, I don't think this favor has anything to do with where you are born. It's about who you belong, who's you belong to. And you can be born anywhere, but if you know the favor of God in your life, it goes beyond your material blessing because it's, it's something that's on the inside. It's a grace. It's, a, it's the love and the, the joy and the peace and the, the hope that he places in your heart. That is the favor of God. And so... The challenge for us is to not look and compare and think, oh man, I wish I had what they had. Man, I wish I could sing like them. I wish I could dance like them. I wish I could be as strong or as good, whatever it is, as them. 
it's a challenge because there's always someone better, right? There's always, if you've done any kind of sport, there's always someone who's going to be faster or stronger or better that, that, than you. We've got to come to the realization that actually God has graced us. He's blessed us. He's called us just as we are. And we need to just be content in who God has called us to be. Because we are all unique. We are all wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible tells us. So don't, don't play the comparison game like Joseph's brothers. All right? That's good. That's good. All right. So let's read on. Because this is what happens when, uh, we'll see later on what happens to Joseph's brothers when they, they play that comparison game. But first, we'll get to the, the dreaming best. So in verse 5. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up, stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. <laughs> He's so dumb. His brothers, his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more, even more. They just keep hating him more and more. All the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he hasn't learned. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So haters are going to hate, but I tell you, dreamers are going to dream. Dreamers are going to dream. And this is, this is why knowing the favor of God in our lives is so important. Because when we know that we are favored of God, it frees us to dream big dreams in Him. Because He has favored you, you can dream. Because see, when you don't realize the favor of God in your life, you're just trying to get by. You're just trying to make ends meet. You're just trying to get things to happen. And you don't have any space. You don't have any time in your, in your world or in your head to, to dream. But when you realize the goodness of God, when you realize you can have security in the fact that he loves you, he's got a plan for you, that he's, that he's going to look out for you. It can free you to dream. It can free you. See, Joseph didn't have a care in the world. He was, God, he was Jacob's favorite. And so he just waltzed around and he got these amazing dreams. I love that. And I think for some of us, we, actually, we need to take it back to that step of, of knowing that we're favored. Perhaps you haven't been dreaming dreams because you haven't re yet got deep on the inside the favor of God on your life. So we will pray for that at the end for some of you. But some of you, you you've realized that and you've, you've got a dream. But how many of you know that, that dreams, they can, they, can, they can be hard to grasp? You wake up and you're like, man, I had this really intense dream, but I can't remember what it was about. Anybody know that feeling? We need to reawaken our dreams. Because life happens and our dreams get lost, right? Just the, the grind can just grind out our dreams. So we actually need to sometimes stir up the dream in our heart once again. 
a part of that, a part of the dreaming is, is actually sharing a dream. And can I say you have to be careful with whom you share your dream. Joseph was not careful about who he shared. He shared it with his brothers, and his brothers, they weren't ready to hear that dream. I would, I would have beaten up my brother if he started telling me that. But it's actually true of any great dream that you got, people, if, if you tell others that you've got this dream and, and things are going to, you know, you've got this big vision, there's going to be naysayers. There's going to be people who are going to go, what? Who are you? I know you. You're not going to do that. That's, you can't do that. I, 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 I actually think we have to be really wise about who we share our dream with. I think we do need to share our dream, but we need to be wise about who we share our dream with. Share it with people who are going to encourage you, who are going to draw that dream out of you, who are going to help you see that come to pass, who are going to run alongside you in that dream. You know, very few dreams are actually achieved by ourselves. Very few. Like Joseph is a bit of an anomaly here. He's kind of the exception to the rule in that actually this dream comes to pass and he pretty much does it by himself. But most of us, the dream that we have, it's going to be fulfilled in community. It's going to be fulfilled with brothers and sisters, people who can help us along that journey. The dream for this church, I can't do it by myself. It would be lonely preaching here to an empty room. We can't, we can't make our dreams happen by ourselves. But we need to be careful with whom we share our dreams. And it's a vulnerable place, actually, to share a dream. Isn't it? To, to actually go, man, oh, I believe God's calling me to this. It's a vulnerable thing. And can I encourage you? That's Actually, we're called to vulnerability towards one another. We're called to share our dreams with one another. Because then we allow people in. And we allow God into that, into that conversation. And we can start to take genuine steps. Otherwise, it just it stays as a dream. It stays in that night, and it never comes into the light of day. But for a dream to, to become a reality, it has to be shared. You, you can't just have a dream and then never talk about it. Your dream will never come to pass. You need to bring it out into the open. And, and can I tell you, it's important to share your dream because actually God's more interested in your relationships than he is about your achievement. So actually, it's not, it's not always about the dream from God's perspective. We think, man, I'm going to achieve this. I'm going to do this. God is a relational God. He actually is more interested in how you love the people around you, more interested in how you, you journey out that dream than necessarily you achieving it or not. So God, because God, God is more, far more a God of relationship than he is of, of achievement. Okay, so dreamers are going to dream. And I'm, we're going to pray at the end that some dreams get reawakened or awakened for the first time this morning. Cool. So we're going to read on. Actually, I'm going to read on. I was just, it was getting late at night and I couldn't be bothered putting all these scriptures on, on a PowerPoint for you. So just confessing my laziness. Uh, but here we go. So, but you can read. You've got your Bibles or your phones with the Bible app. Um, so let's follow along. In verse 12, chapter 37. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Sheshem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Sheshem. Come, and I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. 
So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers. Um, and he sends him off. We don't need to know too much about that. He arrives there, and he's looking for his brothers. They moved on from here. He's not there anymore. Okay, so in verse 17, So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Man, that hate's gone to another level. Yeah, right? So they hated him more and more and more, and now they're going to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. So Reuben's one of his brothers. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any any blood. We all need a brother like Reuben. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. I don't know how far down it was. I don't know if it could have hurt. But uh, as they sat down to eat their meal, so then they just go off and have a meal, <laughs> left their brother in the hole, uh, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill their brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our, hand, our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. And and that's what they do in grief. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate ornate robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, and he goes into mourning. Uh, verse 6, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. And we will look at that story next time. But, wow. Wow. Poor Joseph. Dream. <laughs> Reality. <laughs> right? Like, I'm going to be Lord over you and you'll bow down to me. Oh, actually, I'm going to be chucked in a well and left for dead. Oh, and then I'm going to be dragged out of that well and sold as a slave. Like, there's such a huge disconnect, isn't there, between his dream and his reality. And I don't know about you, but in the dreams that I have often, there's a disconnect. There's a like, this is what I'm believing for, God. No, this is my reality. Like, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that? I've got some ideas I want to share with you about how we deal. Because, let's be honest, there's always a gap. There always will be a gap. Otherwise, you've achieved the dream. All right? You are living the dream because it's happened. But there's always a gap between what, what God's placed in our hearts, what we're believing for, and them coming to pass. And it's how we deal with that gap that actually really, is actually really important. 
So, firstly, I would say, and I mean, this may seem obvious, but I think it's really important, how we deal with that gap, how we hold on to that, is, is we just hold on to the promise. We hold on to the dream. Hold on to the promise. We don't let it go. We don't scale it back. Because that's tempting, right? Well, actually, no, it wasn't, it wasn't all of that. It was just like half my brother's bowing down. Actually, it wasn't even bowing down. It was just me staying alive <laughs> and hanging out with my brothers uh, and living with them, you know? Like, that would have been okay for Joseph. But no, that wasn't the dream. And he never scaled it back. And God, That's the beauty of God. If he says it, he will do it. He is faithful. So don't scale it back. Most dreams don't come to pass because people just simply don't persevere. They just, it gets hard and they kind of, they, they stop digging in. They stop believing and, and the dream dissipates. But I, lo- I love what Galatians 6, 9 says. It says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Sometimes it's just a matter of clinging on and not giving up to see the dream come to pass. In fact, oftentimes, I think, a dream will just come to pass if we persevere enough, if we stick at it, if we hold on to it, if we don't give up. I'll be honest with you, I felt like giving up this church gig a few times, especially, especially early on when it wasn't going so well, it wasn't coming to pass like I imagined. But there's, there's something that, that actually God is forming in us in those times. And, and oftentimes to see a dream come to pass, we actually have to suffer. Um, May is all into her Enneagrams. Anybody know about Enneagrams? It's kind of this typing, um, you know, um, personality type thing. And I'm apparently, she tells me, I'm an Enneagram type four, self-preservation four to be exact. I don't know what that means, really. But she tells me that apparently a part of my personality is long-suffering. Uh, it's why I like road cycling. Uh, it's because it's true. Like when you're training, you're just, especially when you're in a race and you're just hanging in there, you're just suffering. It's actually no fun. But it kind of perversely is. I don't know, uh, uh, for me anyway. But there's something about just sticking it out. For Joseph, completely out of his con- control, completely not, well, I don't say completely not his fault. He was a bit dumb. Uh, but, you know, really, it was due to his brothers that he ended up there. And yet, and he suffered. He suffered. And you'll see through this story that, that Joseph actually, to live the dream, looked more like a nightmare oftentimes. But it reminds me of Jesus. Actually, there's a lot of similarities here. Joseph's brothers conspired against him. The Pharisees conspired against Jesus. They stripped Joseph of his garments. They stripped Jesus of his. Joseph was sold for silver. Jesus was sold for silver. There's so many parallels. And I think we can we cannot live a Christian life and expect it all to just be dancing through daisies in a field. It's not going to be. There's going to be hard times. And there's a, there's a tension there, because I told you at the start, we're favored of God. It's like, how does that work? How can I have God's favor and hard times? 
How can I have the dream and be chucked in a well? Like there's a tension there that we've got to hold in our, in our minds. How, how do I, how does this work, God? I can't give you a, a precise answer for your situation, but I can tell you that God is faithful, that the dream that he's put in your heart will come to pass if you stick with it, if you stick with him. It just may, the journey to it may just look a bit different, may actually be a bit harder than you first anticipated. In fact, I think often God doesn't show us all the steps because otherwise we wouldn't take the first one. We just wouldn't get started. If Joseph had known what he had to go through, right? We've only just started with Joseph's story. But if he had known the journey, perhaps he wouldn't have started at all. But see, God in his wisdom and his mercy, he withholds that information from us. He's like, I'm just gonna, just gonna give you as much as you need to know right now. I'm going to place a dream in your heart, but I'm not going to tell you all the things that you've got to do to get to the other side, to see that dream come to fruition. All that to say, we've just got to hold on to the dream. Hold on to the promise. The second thing I would say about how we, how we navigate that space, that gap between the dream and the reality, is you realize that it's actually the journey that forms us. It's actually the journey that is important, not always the end goal. Joseph needed to go through what he went through to achieve the dream. Like actually, if it had all been sweet, he would never have been taken down the notch or two that he needed to be taken down. He would never have ended up in Egypt, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but he would never would have fulfilled what he had to do what God had in line for him. So God knows, this is the amazing thought, God knows exactly what you need to become more like Christ. God knows exactly how to shape you individually to become more like Jesus. And what it takes to shape you is different to what it takes to shape me. Because you have different anomalies, you have different things that you struggle with, just like I do too. There are different things about us that we need a different journey. We need a different path. And God's going, and so when you look at someone, you go, man, their life is, their life is sweet. They're going, how can they go to that? You don't know the journey that's got them there. You don't know what they've gone through to get to that point. And, and, and sometimes you go, man, they're doing it real hard. You don't know what God is forming in them in that space. You don't know actually that that journey, that, 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 rite of passage that they're going through is necessary for, for their formation. Actually, we're called to be disciples. That means we grow and we change. And actually, it's that journey towards our dreams that does that. And uh, maybe I'm harping on a bit about it, but the thing that shaped Joseph and the thing that shaped Jesus more than anything else was his suffering. Hebrews 12 talking about Jesus. Um, it says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, Jesus went through far, far more than you or I ever will. 
And we can take comfort in that, that He's gone before us. He's paved the way, and, and, and thankfully, we don't have to go through all that He went. You, you've never, well, I don't think you have. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you've never cried tears of blood to see your dream come to pass. No, nobody's showing me a hand. No, I'd be surprised. You know, nobody's gone through what Jesus had to achieve their dreams. And, and I think we can take comfort in that because it means that Jesus has entered into our sufferings. He knows what it is to suffer and he comes alongside us. We have a friend who is closer than a brother, far closer than Joseph's brothers. We have a friend who is closer than a brother who can get alongside us because he's suffered. So it's in that journey. It's actually the journey, not the destination that's important. Yeah, destination's secured. We're going to heaven. We're going to be, it's going to be great. We're going to be with Jesus. That's amazing. But actually the journey, the here and now, is what shapes us. So realize, the gap is actually, it's there. But it's the journey that is actually shaping us to become more like Jesus. All right. And number three, and I'll invite our keys up. Uh, that'd be awesome. Know that God hasn't forsaken you. Just know that God hasn't forsaken you. For Joseph, I, I don't know. We don't actually get an insight into his thinking here. But I think perhaps he felt a bit forsaken. <laughs> perhaps when he's sitting at the bottom of a well and all his brothers just gone off to have a feed. And like, he's, he's feeling forsaken. He's feeling left, abandoned. But God, see, God didn't forsake him. His brothers may have, but God never did. And that's the beautiful thing. God will never forsake you. It's a great passage. We quote it, kind of part of it all the time. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter how hard it is, no matter the gap between your reality and your dream, God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The, the, the context there is, is Moses is speaking to the people of Israel. They're about to enter into the promised land, but Moses can't go. So and Moses knows this, but he's saying to the people, no, no, be strong and courageous. God will go with you. You don't need me. God will go with you, and He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You see, the promised land... Is where we want to go, right? The good things, the promises, the dreams that we're holding on to, that's where we're heading. But we've got to know that actually to get there, God isn't going to leave us. He's not going to abandon us. And we need to hold on to that promise. Joseph, we will see, he held true to God throughout that journey because he had an assurance that God would never abandon him. to step into your dream, to step into the promised land, we just need to know beyond anything else that God's with us. He's not going to leave us high and dry. He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to abandon us just in the moment that we most need Him. He's there with us every step. Why don't you stand to your feet? I, I, I just believe 
I'm, I'm done talking. I believe God wants to do something in your hearts this morning. I, I really believe that there's a few things. Firstly, if I go back to that idea of favor, we need to know in our knower, in our heart of hearts, that we have the favor of God on us. And if you struggle with that idea, if you struggle with that thought, actually, then I'm God's favorite. Because perhaps in your journey to this point, you haven't ever felt that you could be God's favorite. That people, the things that have happened, the the words that people have spoken over your life, perhaps you feel like, I I just don't feel that favor. I want to declare a truth over you this morning. It's not my truth. It's the truth of the gospel that you are a child of God. That you are a son, a daughter of the Most High. You are a king, a queen. And because of that, you have the favor of the Most High resting upon you. And just right now, I'm, I'm just, I, I just have a, 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 an image of, of the Holy Spirit coming, settling on you like a dove. If you want that now, if you just want to know the favor, of, just raise your hand just in response right now. I'm just believing the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to rest upon you. You're going to know the grace. You're going to know the favor. Know the blessing of God in your life above and beyond what you've ever known. He's got fresh horizons. He's got new things for you. He's got amazing things. You just need to agree with His Spirit that says you are His beloved son, His beloved daughter, with whom He is well pleased. Thank you, Jesus, that we stand in your favor. Not because of anything we've done, all because of who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, for your favor on our lives. Thank you so much. And the next group of people I want to pray for is that is around that area of dreams. Maybe you've got a dream, but you've you've forgotten about it. Let's be honest, it's fallen to the floor. It's been crowded out by the busyness of your schedule. And God wants to stir it up again. He wants to reinvigorate that dream. Or maybe you've actually, you've never allowed yourself to dream. Come on, now's the time. We are living in those days where the prophet says that young men will dream dreams, old men will see visions. I don't believe that's limited to men. Uh, young men and women will see will dream dreams. Come on, there is dreams in your hearts that need to, to be fulfilled for the kingdom of God to go forward. So just in this moment, maybe you need to close your eyes and open your heart to Him. But I'm just believing that across this place, as we respond from our spirit to to God that, that dreams are being reestablished, dreams are being reawakened, or dreams are being placed for the very first time. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord Jesus. Give us a dream for our family. Give us a dream for our work. Give us a dream for our career. Give us a dream for our community. Give us a dream for our nation. Give us a dream for the nations. Give us dreams, God, that go beyond what we can see in the natural, God. Help us to dream 
big dreams, audacious dreams that are beyond what we can do in our natural because then we know it's a dream from You. God, stir something in us. Stir something in our spirits. Come, come, Spirit of God. Ignite dreams in this place. Tongues of fire. you need to dream a dream and, and can I challenge you you actually need to share that dream today you need to share that dream with someone maybe it's your spouse maybe it's a close friend make sure it's someone who's not going to shoot it down but you need to dream that dream and you need to share it come on we need to share our dreams to see them come to fruition one more group of people I want to pray for or two I tell lies I can't do that in church <laughs> tell lies uh, if you're here and you feel actually I, I, I know you say Dave that I'm not abandoned that uh, God will never leave me or forsake me but I, I feel it actually I feel just in my heart I feel lost I feel abandoned I'm, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because it's, it's very personal it's thing but if you're here this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you know deep in your heart that you're not alone. Come on, let's just pray right now. Father, I thank you. You promise you'll never leave us and never forsake us. And your promises are true. They stand the test of time and they go beyond our feeling. They go beyond our reasoning. Lord, so right now, we cling to that promise. I pray for those people who are feeling abandoned. I pray that you would help them to see beyond their feelings and know the truth of the matter, that you are with them, that you love them. Yeah, your grace is on them. And they are yours. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the final group of people is if you're here this morning and You've never actually experienced God like you have today. You've never been in His presence like this. You know that actually, this is weird. I'm getting, there's stuff happening in your heart. Can I tell you, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God reaching out to you. But you need to respond. You need to open your heart to Him and, and invite Him in. He won't ever force Himself upon you. He will only ever come if you invite Him. And I, can I tell you that it's the best thing you can possibly do is open your heart to God and allow him in because you will find the favor the grace the love the goodness of God so just with every eye closed just to respect those people in this place every eye closed he bowed if you're here this morning and you think yeah I, I want I want this God I need this God in my life just raise your hand I'll see it and you can put it down and then we'll pray together is there anybody here this morning you want to do that thing to go actually I need God in my life 
Perhaps you've been told, I need, you know, just do it by yourself. You don't need God. Actually, we're designed to have a relationship with something bigger than ourselves. We're designed for a relationship with God. This is your moment to start that journey. Or maybe restart that journey. Maybe you did it. Maybe you had a relationship back when you were younger, but you know that there's a distance now. You need to come home. You need to come home to the love of God. Is there anybody here who wants to do that? Okay, I'm not seeing any hands, so you can raise your eyes. Look at me. If that was you and you're like, just, I'm not feeling I can respond here now, but I'd love to talk more about that, or I want to know more, just please come and have a yarn with me afterwards. I would love to talk to you about that, pray with you about that. So I encourage you to do that. Bless you, church. I'm excited about the dreams that have been birthed or reawakened and what God is going to do in these coming weeks through this series. Bless you.